Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Sparks in Action. This is Donna. Ah, where to begin? Today's guest is Sai Montgomery. She is back for part two. And let me start by saying something personal about Sai, and then I'm going to read a little bit from her bio. Uh, the first words are mine, however. So reading a book by Sai Montgomery is a gift. It is a vivid adventure and an education. Sai, who was a naturalist, a conservationist, a prolific author, a gorgeous writer, and a deeply curious and grateful, wonder-filled woman, takes readers into deep into the world of whatever fascinating creature or creatures she is writing about. And having read five or six of her books, I am always left wanting more. And the good news is, Sai delivers. <laughs> so Sai is here on Sparks in Action for the second time. If you have not listened to the first episode, which aired on May 11th, 2022, absolutely scroll and listen when you're done with this. You do not want to miss that episode. She talks at length about her then recently published book, The Hawk's Way, Encounters with Fierce Beauty. It's outstanding. So today we're here to talk about Sai's soon to be released newest book uh, titled Turtles, uh, excuse me, of Time and Turtles, Mending the World, Shell by Shattered Shell. This book's going to be released in September, and Sai will tell you about that, and I cannot wait to get my hands on it and my heart and mind into it. Now, just a little bit from Sai's bio, um, just to, to give you a feel for this amazing woman. Quote, to research books, films, and articles, Sai Montgomery has been chased by an angry silverback gorilla in Zaire bitten by a vampire bat in Costa Rica, worked in a pit crawling with 18,000 snakes in Manitoba and handled a wild tarantula in French Guiana. She has been deftly undressed by an orangutan in Borneo. We're gonna get back to that one. Hunted by a tiger in India and swum with piranhas, electric eels and dolphins in the Amazon. She searched the Altai Mountains of Mongolia's Gobi for snow leopards hiked into the trackless cloud forest of Papua New Guinea to radio collar tree kangaroos and learned to scuba dive in order to commune with octopuses. Size 34 books for both adults and children have garnered many honors. The Soul of an Octopus was a 2015 finalist for the National Book Awards. The Good Pig her memoir of life with her pig, Christopher Hogwood, is an international bestseller. She is the winner of the 2009 New England Independent Booksellers Association Nonfiction Award and the 2010 Children's Book Guild Nonfiction Award. And there is much, much more. Bye, welcome to Sparks in Action. Anna, thanks so much for having me back. I love Sparks in Action, and I'm thrilled to be connected with your audience, a real electric group of people. <laughs> Thank you, Sai. And um, 
I think they feel the same about you. <laughs> and so to get started, we would just love to hear your words in your voice. So please read us a passage from your current book. And please give us the title in your words as well. Well, Thank this you. these are the first pages from Of Time and Turtles, Mending the World, Shell by Shattered Shell. Chapter one is called Shell Shock. Amid all the other homes on the suburban street, white, beige, gray, pale, blue, light yellow, this two-story salt box stands out. It's a blazing neon green. It's flamboyance accentuated by an equally electrifying violet shed out back. The house bears a sign in front that reads, Turtle Lover Parking Only. Violators better shut the shell up. Parked in the drive are a white smart car and a black scion. Both are mounted with strobe lights, like the ambulances that they are. Emblazoned with the Turtle Rescue League logo and with stickers urging fellow motorists, stop for turtles in the road, help them get across. The cars serve as emergency vehicles for transporting injured turtles to the thousand square foot turtle hospital that occupies the basement of the home. Observed by closed circuit TV, one of several security measures taken because even sick or injured, turtles are so valuable on the black market that the patients here could be targets of abduction. My friend, the wildlife artist Matt Patterson and I mount the steps to the wooden deck and knock on the door. Alexia Bell, Turtle Rescue League's president, lets us in. She's 46, slender, tall, and seemed dressed for a party. Once inside, Matt and I carefully step over a knee-high wooden barricade to enter the living room. We're soon met with the reason for the barricade. Pizza Man, a 20-year-old 12-pound red-footed tortoise with a knobby black and yellow shell, is headed toward us like a slow-motion missile. High stepping on columnar legs, his toenails tapping softly on the wooden floor. He holds his pale yellow bottom shell or plastron tall as he paces determinedly across the room. He stops two inches from my feet. He pointedly jerks his wizened looking head to the right, holds it still for a second, jerks his head to the left, and then swings his neck back to center and stares into my face. Clearly, Pizza Man is giving me a signal. It feels like a welcome. This turtle really loves attention, Alexia explains. I bend down to stroke his soft, outstretched neck and head, admiring the red patches on his cheeks and nose and around his soulful dark eyes. Then Pizza Man marches on to meet Matt. If anything, Pizza Man's ardor now grows. Even though it's February in New England, Matt, as usual, is wearing, along with his signature turtle print headband, flip-flops and pizza man makes a point of standing directly on the warm tops of Matt's feet as he performs his greeting. Pizza man's enthusiastic reception bodes well for us. Matt, 
already a renowned natural history artist at 38, and I have driven two hours from our home in New Hampshire here to Southbridge, Massachusetts to ask a favor. Since the previous summer, when we started helping friends protect a nesting site for five species of New England turtles, we've been drawn deeper and deeper into the world of these beloved but little understood reptiles. Last year, we attended a turtle summit, a symposium for turtle rehabilitators here at the League. We came away as stunned as if we'd visited Lourdes. Alexia had projected a slide of one of their patients, a female snapping turtle. The entire first third of her shell was shattered. Three of her legs were smashed. One eye was gone. She'd been lying on the side of the asphalt road where she'd been hit, cooking in the sun for hours. But two years later, she was returned to the wild healed. What looks like a fatal injury to some animals may be survivable to a turtle, Alexia told the crowd. We never give up on a turtle. So today we're back. We want to take part in this miracle. We've come to ask if once the busy spring season gets underway, we might be allowed to volunteer at the league's hospital and help broken creatures be made whole. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, it was sure a pleasure. I've got to tell you, this book was lived during the pandemic. And during that time, we all remember, we had no idea what was going on. What is this strange contagion? How, how is this sickness coming to us? Can you handle the mail? Can you see your friends? And our country was broken. And climate change was upon us in full force. It just felt like everything was falling to pieces. And for Matt and I to be able to take a hand in mending these ancient creatures shattered shells felt like we were helping to put the world back together and gave us all kinds of hope. Oh yeah. You know, first of all, I to sustain that kind of injury, knowing so little about turtles, just hearing that um, sort of shocks me um, to hear about this turtle, you know, uh, the one you, you just mentioned that two years later um, is pretty much healed. And you said something earlier in your uh, beautiful reading uh, about this, I think you phrased it as little understood reptiles. Mm. And I would love to hear from you what we should know about turtles that we don't, you know? Um, so please, whatever facts and information about these beautiful creatures that you have integrated over your the last couple of years that you'd love to share with us I'd love oh, I would. to hear it yeah yeah I would totally love to because you know everyone can recognize a turtle and many of us had baby turtles when we were little and they were they were finally baby turtles were outlawed below a certain size in 1975 and that was not to protect the turtles. The size of the turtle was exactly the size of a child's open mouth because children were putting the turtles in their mouths and coming up with salmonella. <laughs> so anyway, that was good because so many of us who had those baby turtles back then 
um, were so horrified to discover that their shells got soft and they died. We didn't know how to care for them. But it left a lasting impression on many of us. We love turtles, but we don't really know them at all. We think of them as these kind of slow but sweet reptiles who are so helpless, they fall on their back and they can, can't get up. But we don't realize, one, that there's over 300 species of turtles and they range from turtles who have shells that glow at night to mm. turtles who can climb into trees and have prehensile grasping tails like monkeys to help them go into the trees. There are turtles wow. who can run faster than a 10-year-old doing the 100-yard dash. There are turtles who look like they have six eyes to confuse predators. There are turtles whose necks are longer than their shells and they can't withdraw their neck into their shells but have to tuck it to the side. They have all kinds of incredible powers and they're smart too. There hasn't been a lot of work done on the many different species of turtles, but wood turtles, for example, a species that we have right, right here in New England, just wandering around in the woods, they learn mazes faster than rat laboratory rats. Really? And they remember stuff. And when you're talking about remembering stuff, think of all the things you would remember if you were an Aldabra tortoise, the, one of whom has lived to 288 years old. Imagine all the memories that that animal has. They Two, are excuse me, one second side, yeah. 288? <laughs> Yes. Can we just go back to that for a moment? Yes. Um, two questions there. One is, um, yeah, I want to hear more about this longevity turtle thing. And, you know, we'll get into the toll time issue. Um, but also, can you just for a moment state the difference between tortoise and turtle so that we're clear on the on the difference? It has to do with shells. Am I? Well, shell you're absolutely right. People get okay. confused all tortoises are turtles. Turtles okay. include freshwater turtles, they include tortoises, they include sea turtles, and they include terrapins. They're all turtles. Okay. But not all turtles are tortoises, not all turtles are terrapins, not all turtles are freshwater turtles. So within the large umbrella term of over 300 species of turtles, you also have tortoises and the others that I've mentioned. Now, tortoises are only land animals. They don't swim in the sea and they, they don't go wading in the rivers, although sometimes they like to soak in a puddle. Okay. They, they, um, they have these columnar, you know, column-like legs, um, whereas other turtles' legs kind of stick out a little more to the side instead of like great big pillars of a temple. And the oldest uh, turtles in the world are in fact tortoises, Aldabra tortoises and Galapagos tortoises. Those are the really, really big ones on land. But sea turtles can grow to enormous sizes, including the leatherback sea turtle who can weigh as much as a car. Its shell can be you know, over seven feet long and they weigh 2000 pounds. So wait, whoa, whoa, seven feet long? Yeah. Can you imagine? Isn't that great? And they're they're with us on the earth. We don't, we don't even know this. We don't see them because, you know, we're not swimming in the sea all the time with these animals. Um, but 
although the book was mostly about the native turtles that we have here in North America, mm -hmm. um, in our woods and, and on our lawns, um, we did, we do have a whole chapter on rescuing cold stunned sea turtles in the winter on Cape Cod on a snowy day, the last kind of day you'd expect to find a reptile on the beach in New England, we went out to rescue these turtles who tried to migrate south, but because of global climate change, they got confused. It was too warm off Cape Cod. Mm -hmm. And by the time they figured, oh, better go, the Atlantic was so cold that because they're cold-blooded, they couldn't swim anymore. And they were just so cold, they they were like paralyzed by the cold and then just got washed back like driftwood onto the sea on this December day. And we went out and walked the beach at night during this storm, looking for these highly endangered sea turtles. These weren't, uh, sometimes you do get a leatherback, but these were Kemp's Ridley sea turtles and they were young ones. They can live a very long time. The ones that we found were, you know, maybe... 10 or 10 to 20 years old mm. uh, but it's a heck of a thing to be wandering around on a cape cod beach in december and come upon a sea turtle but we saved them all and now they're all definitely going to live and they can live for decades and decades and decades and how so many were there on this beach we found five on yeah. the beach but you know these are some of the most endangered turtles in in the world mm. and we had a hand in saving their lives it, it's just a great feeling and so many of us this is the other thing about turtles is that so many of us have an opportunity to save a turtle because here they are living among us you just need to know a few things but like the baby turtles you know that we all had and loved but died because their shells got soft if we just have a little bit more information we can not only save their lives but save generations of turtles because these animals are so long lived and they will breed year after year after year and to that you know where i live for example i take these walks around my neighborhood and there's a beautiful like preserved wetland nearby very often i will see turtles on the road and bring them over to safety. What should we be doing? Like, it, should I just be putting it back in the tall grass? Uh, is there something more or? Oh, I'm so glad you're asking. And this where is and how should I pick it up? Okay, well. <laughs> Snappers, um, I don't go near, I leave them alone. <laughs> well, I can, I can tell you how to pick up even a 40, 50 pound snapper safely. And I, I will happily go through that. In fact, one of my best friends is a 42 pound snapper about my age who lets me feed him by hand and touch his head and stroke his, his arms. And um, so, can, so can Matt, the illustrator for this, this gorgeous book and my partner in turtle crime. But um, the thing about turtles in the spring and in the fall, they'll be crossing roads and you're doing exactly the right thing, Donna. Cross them the direction that they're going take them to the other side because they've got a plan. They aren't just randomly wandering around. In the spring, you're often finding a female who's wanting to lay her eggs. So she has had to move out of the wetland to lay her eggs in sandy soil with full sun or with 
pretty much full sun, depending on where, where you live. So she knows where she's, she's going. Some people see a turtle about to cross the road. They pick it up and they take it back to where the turtle came from. And although they're good hearted people, that's about as helpful as a woman is in labor hitchhiking to the hospital and you bring her back to her house. <laughs> she has got to lay those eggs. So take her in the direction that she's going. Sometimes you'll find a male, he's out looking for a date. And he too knows where he's going, but you wanna get him off the road and you did exactly the right thing. So the best way to pick up a turtle, um, first know which ones are snappers and which, went, which aren't. Um, which aren't. Uh, snappers have serrated back shells um, and they, they tend to be, when you find a really big turtle, it's probably a, a snapper. Um, those guys, you want to pick them up towards the back of their shell because the front end of the snapper is the, the problem end if they're nervous. A snapper will never attack you, but if it sees a 120 pound person trying to lift it off the ground, all the wisdom of its ancestors are saying, this is no good at all. <laughs> so of course they're gonna lunge. Often they will just gape and lunge, but if they do bite you, it's it's not particularly nice. Their jaw strength, by the way, at least for the common snapping turtle, is less than our jaw strength. So, you know, I, I could take off someone's finger better than a big old snapper, but you don't want me biting you either. Believe it or not, there's like 900 people a year treated in New York hospitals for being bitten by people. So very few people are actually bitten by snapping turtles. Um, There's a statistic for your listeners. I love that's that. That's right. That's right. So um, pick them up gently by the, the back of the, by the back of the shell. Yeah. Um, sometimes they're their legs will be kind of air swimming because they're like, ah, I'm going in the air. This is no good. Um, don't worry about it. They're not, they're not trying to hurt you or, or scratch you, but they, they might give you a little, a little scratch, but they don't mean to. Most of the time they won't do anything. Most of the time they'll just go right back in their shell and you can carry them across and okay. put them down gently and send them away. Um, there's two good ways to carry heavy, upset snapping turtles that will not get you bitten. But first I should say, you don't have to pick them up. One thing that you can do is if, you, if you're in your car, you can urge the snapper onto a floor mat in the car and drag the floor mat across the street. And remember, of course, the back end of the turtle is the safe end of the turtle. So drag him from the back, you know, with his back end facing you, but make sure his head and four legs are facing the direction that he or she wants to go. Okay. okay. If you have, you know, a cardboard box, you can unfold that box and use it too, like a magic carpet ride. Okay. And any kind of an object that you have in the car, like an umbrella or a walking stick, you can always use that to help urge the turtle onto the substrate you want to pull them across. But if that you is... want to pick them up, there's two really safe ways to do it. One is the platter lift, we call it, and the other is the wheel well grip. And sometimes just the size of the, the snapper, um, you, you wanna be able to pick them up safely. Never pick them up by the tail. Some people say you should do that and they're wrong. People don't realize that the shell 
is actually connected to their backbone and ribs. Mm. So if you pick them up by the tail, you can damage their spinal cord. Mm -hmm. And you you want to be helping the turtle, not paralyzing them. So um, if you want to pick up a, a, a big snapper, calmly go around the back of the snapper. Wait until you're calm because they can feel if you're nervous. They can hear. Um, they don't have ears like we do, but they can hear you even whispering. They have the best hearing of any reptile. And you can just slide one hand under the bottom shell, the plastron, and lift it up like a waiter lifts a platter. And to keep him from tipping over, you can hold onto the base, not the tip of the tail. And the other thing is, again, from the back of the turtle, you can slide both hands underneath the plastron and they have like a wheel well in, in front of their back legs. This is spacious area. And you can lift them up so that their head is up and their tail is down and their belly shield is facing out and their top shell is against you. And you can find that's a very comfortable way to carry even a very heavy turtle. You mm -hmm. can carry that turtle for a quarter mile. Okay. That is such great information because, again, those of us that dwell outside of cities, particularly in the spring and late spring, we're seeing so much turtle activity. And um, so thank you for that. Thank you so much for that. I, I, I have a couple more questions. I feel like I want to <laughs> get you back really quickly for part three. Um, so um, in the few minutes we have left, you said something about a black market. Is and is there anything we can do that you know can um, slow down this appetite in the black market for turtles? Yes, actually, um, the black market is mostly centered in China. Okay, um, and the because turtles have such beautiful shells, because of their powers of longevity. Uh, they are sought after for pets and they are sought after for medicines which do not work to preserve youthfulness and um, and I mean none of none of that stuff works um, they, they grind up pieces of the sometimes you can go to a Chinatown in North America and find turtles for sale by the pound and in fact, at Turtle Rescue League, one of our friends is a turtle named Sergeant Pockets, a great big, dark, beautiful red ear, who's probably 40 years old. And he was for sale for, for this. Mm. So um, if you see such a thing at a black market, report it to the police. Okay. Okay. And well, that's support the organizations that are protecting turtles. Yeah. Wow. That's good information. So I thank you so much for that too. Um, there's so much here and I wanted to uh, give you two, an opportunity to tell people, well, if you care to read a passage to kind of sing us out um, and also to let people know about when your book is going to be published and available, would love to hear that. Great. Well, yeah, I could I could read a little from um, a section of the book, which is about our friend Fire Chief. Please. A 42 pound snapping turtle who was hit by a car and paralyzed 
in 2018. And we met him in 2020. And my job at Turtle Rescue League with Matt Patterson was to do physical therapy with this paralyzed turtle. Okay, so let's hear from that. And then what we'll do is we'll just end Sai after that. And then I will add an addendum to our recording so that um, people will know how to reach you and be aware of the publication date of your book. So we have about Fantastic. five minutes, four minutes left. So please read us out. And before you do, I can't thank you enough for being here. I love your work. You inspire me, you teach me, you teach so many of us. And at some point, I'm going to hear the story about the orangutan in Borneo, but that's going to be another <laughs> another conversation because you're coming back. <laughs> well, Donna, you inspire me, and thank you so much. Okay, oh, this is um, this is our first attempt at doing physical therapy with a 42 pound, probably 60 year old snapping turtle who is wild. Matt hefts the huge turtle over the lip of his hospital tank and into a travel case on the cement floor of the hospital. Fire Chief's bolt completely fills the bin. To carry him safely up the stairs, we try to snap a lid on top, but his enormous head pops the seal and pokes out, looking like the T-Rex from the movie Lost World. With both Natasha and I pushing hard to urge his head back down and hold the lid shut, Matt walks up the stairs from the basement, through the living room of the house, and out to the deck. Here he lifts the huge scrabbling reptile out of his container and hauls him over a three-foot wooden fence to the turtle garden. Fire Chief is even more magnificent out of his hospital water than in. His head is huge. It looks like the size of my thigh. His neck is muscular, not fat. His 14-inch long tail sports 11 tall, proud, reddish-brown osteoderms, tooth-like dinosaurian ridges rising skyward, rather like the spikes on Stegosaurus's tail. Some of them are a full inch high, and his shell is an unusual, gorgeous reddish-brown. His shell tells the story of the catastrophe that brought him here. He was hit by a truck, rescued by Natasha and Alexia, and has been here for two years. The idea today is for us to help him experience full gravity and begin his physical therapy. Sai, hmm. on behalf of turtles, pigs, pink dolphins, tarantula, dogs, <laughs> creatures, human and not, I want to thank you so much, truly, for being the beautiful being that you are and sharing your love, your curiosity, your knowledge, and your just unwavering commitment to help heal our world, which is what Sparks in Action is about, in your case, one creature at a time. Thank you so much for being here. And I am going to pester you for a third episode at some point. Oh, fabulous. <laughs> There's too I many stories wait. I want to hear. <laughs> Thank you so much. And the, and the book will be published September, available September 19th, folks. Okay. Thank you so very much, Sai.
Awesome. Thank you. That was great. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider giving it a review on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you can review it. Share it. Send episodes to friends who might be interested. I want to grow this podcast, and yes, I do need your help to do it. Keep being the bright spark that you are. Take care.